welcome to the Farm Beats podcast. Farm Beats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beats podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Bits followers and first-time listeners. Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. I'm Taylor Cross. And I'm Jose Cesario, and we are excited to have you join us for this episode as we continue in our spring 2022 series covering autonomy and robotics in crop and livestock production. We welcome Chris Whited, Director of Business Development at Agronomic Innovations, to this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. This company has developed a more efficient and semi-automated soil sampling technology to assist agronomists and farmers. In this episode, we'll discuss the autoprobe technology that utilizes autonomy practices to manage soil sampling techniques in the field while still being mindful of soil compaction. With that background, let's jump into our interview with Chris. little bit about my background. I'm an Illinois boy, born and raised. My uh, grandfathers both farmed in, um, in pretty much the whole county of Kane, Illinois. Um, this is one of my grandfather's rings right here. Um, and it, it gave me an interesting perspective. I, I got to say, I was probably never the guy that would be out there in operations, but I was more of the business-minded uh, type, and it always struck me as a little bit curious. Uh, both my grandparents farmed, and their farms primarily looked like any 80s farm, um, you know, hundreds of acres, um, beef cattle, pork. Back then, everybody had pork, and um, but one of them farmed very successfully uh, when the 80s hit it had a little bit of an impact on them on the farm but not much whereas my uh, whited farm um, it seemed like they struggled so it always kind of made me wonder how two farms could look alike um, but function very differently and so throughout my life I kind of always from time to time would wonder that and contemplate it and then one day I met a man named Alan Lash, uh, who's my business partner today. And Alan brought me into a company called AgriSolutions. AgriSolutions is a 55-year-old company that was started here in Lubbock, Texas, moved to Brighton, Illinois. And AgriSolutions was primarily around helping farms with their accounting, uh, helping them get the information in there and structured accurately towards gap principles. And then from there, helping them to be able to interpret the information and then apply it to their farm. Uh, a lot of farms, they have to wear several hats. And it just seemed like for years, um, not all farms, but some of them struggled with the financial viability uh, of their operation. And through that, Alan saw consolidation happen in the industry. He told me he saw it back in the poultry industry. So when you think about poultry today, who do you guys think about? Personally, I think of Purdue because um, we used to raise for them. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyson and, and uh, Butterball. So 
if you were to look at the USDA statistics today, there's not a single um, poultry farm that is family owned. They're all a part of the Tyson, Butterball, Purdue type of system. And um, even in my lifetime, we watched the pork industry grow from 388,000 um, pork producers in the 80s to today we have less than 56,000. And back then 1% of them were custom and today only 1% of them are um, independent. And so we created a group or Alan and his other business partners at the time created a group called the Family Farms Group, which was to help farms um, be able to survive consolidation and keep their farms alive by working together instead of against each other. And so I worked there for several years. I've, I've been in both organizations since 2006. And then um, Alan retired and uh, he asked me to come and help him on some other business projects. So we um, have this agronomy company, uh, Agronomic Innovations, where I present the technology to individuals and um, help them uh, begin to utilize it. And then um, we're starting other companies as well in the hemp industry. And um, that's, that's kind of where we're at today. That's pretty interesting, Chris. Really nice job that you guys are doing right now. And would you mind providing us an overview of the company, the agronomic innovations and some of the products that you guys offer? Okay. Well, agronomics is innovations is pretty simple philosophy. We believe that, um, that it's simple. Everything begins with the soil. Um, we believe that farms are leaving a lot of dollars on the table. Um, by not focusing on their agronomic practices. And that means more than just um, going out there and probing the soil, but getting a good look at what the whole field is doing as a whole. So as you know, in, in um, agronomy, uh, really their practices haven't changed since the beginning. They go out, they find a few sites, they probe, they take it in and they have the soil sample. Um, with agronomic innovations, it's a little bit different. We have a proprietary technology that can hook onto a combine, a uh, truck, a UTV, ATV, and we also have a prototype that's much smaller than the version that we have today. But um, right now, we drive this through a whole field. It takes a six-inch probe every seven feet, and then it also knows where it pulled that soil sample from, and then it really changes um, what you would prescribe as an agronomist. And so we see that by the old methods, we're missing a lot in sampling the soil. And with this, you can have a much more targeted um, soil sample that you can then uh, spread your inputs out appropriately that we find often cuts uh, farms cost by about 26 to $27 per acre and give by giving them a more accurate read and they can they can have their combines or sprayers um, apply the inputs to the soil just where it's needed instead of across the whole soil. Yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, Chris, can you talk a little bit about if there are any other products that agronomic innovations 
his offering and the benefits that they have to your customers before we really um, gear this episode towards more of that auto probe uh, technology you were just kind of describing? I would say there's two pieces to it. Um, one is the business side for the agronomist and the other is for getting a more accurate reading. And so our, as far as our services go, um, we supply the technology and the support in using the technology and also any um, new um, pieces that they may need that have worn out. Um, but to me, the bigger picture is um, farm consolidation, right? Um, anything in agriculture is dependent on our farms. So whether it be the supply chain, uh, whether it be, um, agronomists or whether it be input dealers. And what we have to realize in the ag industry is it's rapidly consolidating. Um, so when I first started talking about farm consolidation, there were 2.3 million farms in the US. Um, those farms today have dropped in the past uh, seven years to um, one point or 2.1 million farms in the US. And we believe that in the next 15 or 20 years, we're going to see some pretty rapid consolidations where the um, farming industry in the US is going to change pretty dramatically, where we believe that um, if you just do some math with the age of the current owners of the farms and the next generations coming in based off the USDA statistics, we're probably going to see that farms in the US are gonna to consolidate to the point where we only have about 800,000. So if farms are continuing to consolidate, we're watching the same thing happen with uh, agronomists, uh, with the supply chain. Um, for instance, in the supply chain, um, what we believe will happen is that the wholesale distributor is going to be solely weeded out. You're going to watch more farms um, join the uh, grower packer shipper model and the uh, retailers are going to deal directly with the farms because that's what the consumer wants right they want traceability they want to know where their food comes from that's a big push that we have here in the U.S. and so um, all of these pieces of the ag industry are consolidating as well with the farms and we see the same thing happening with um agronomists as well. So agronomists are struggling, in my opinion. We have about 15 to 18,000 of them in the U.S. roughly, um, with the majority of them um, only producing about $150,000 in revenue per year, which makes it very hard for them to compete. So having a tool like AutoProbe that can help them be efficient, cover more acres, and give them a more accurate read gives them a leg up on the competition. Yeah, that's a really good uh, viewpoint for those agronomists and also really good to keep in mind kind of what the future of our agriculture here in the U.S. looks like in the future, in the upcoming years. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the precision land management is increasing a lot. But since you mentioned that, could you quantify the importance and the need of these advancements that we are heading right now? Mm -hmm. So I think when you quantify it, you have to you have to know who you're talking to. So, you know, we're talking to agronomists, really. And and we've done things the same way that we've always done them. 
And the important thing is that, you know, the industry has changed rapidly. I remember when I first started in AgriSolutions, they took me to a farm and it was the first time I saw a tractor drive itself. Um, so that GPS technology and different technologies out there have allowed farms to, well, it's one of the five macro factors of farm consolidation. Um, you know, those people who jumped on board with technology early and learned how to adapt it, adapt it to their business quickly found out that they didn't have to follow the industry standards. They could follow the standards of their farm and get a much better picture in order to compete. So if we have, you know, 15 to 18,000 um, crop consultants or agronomists in the US, and the majority of them are struggling to make a buck, um, they need to do something different. And that's where the auto probe comes in, helps them become more of a technology company that produces better information for the farms, which makes them more valuable. And that gives them a leg up above everybody because you know it makes them more efficient and helps them uh, get a better return on investment. The reason this is important, it's for the con um, crop consultants who want to be able to build a legacy for their family, they have to figure out ways to compete or the business will die with them. And to take you back to my grandparents' farm, that is one thing that I noticed was a big driving factor. One of my grandfathers was very business-minded and looked towards the future and followed the same philosophy we have in our business here, which um, is really the Wayne Gretzky philosophy. When he said, uh, when he skated, he said he didn't go to where the puck was going. He positioned the puck to where it should be, right? So if we're in a consolidating industry, we have to understand that we have to drive to where the industry's going, not to where we've always been, right? And those people that can figure that out and use technologies like the auto probe um, in order to gain that competitive advantage um, will help them benefit and get a leg up above others. So gearing this uh, interview kind of towards the technology being the digital agriculture podcast, um, we're going to kind of focus here on auto probe and its uh, functionality and kind of what's on the back end there. So can you briefly describe uh, how auto probe works on the back end? You uh, previously said uh, you were using GPS and telematics possibly. Um, can you just go over a brief overview of what that looks like? So basically the auto probe is a uh, pulled track system that has two probes in it that um, come out whenever it's near the ground. And then it sucks that soil up into the cab and starts bagging it. And then we have a iPad essentially in the cab with a technology in it that allows you to set whether you wanna do zone or grid samples. And then that tells you where the cores are pulled from. And so then you can then take that out and put it in your um, uh, combine, sprayer, whatever you're using, and uh, it will pinpoint the places that need what inputs on it at that time and how much. Yeah, that's amazing, Chris. It's amazing how these technologies can 
help us to making decisions. Mm. And towards that, do farmers decide where to take the soils or it's grid sampled? Can you expand a little bit on that? Well, they, they um, grid sample their acres for a particular field and then they don't necessarily pick, they just drive, right? It's really that simple. You get in it, you drive, and um, it just pulls the core samples for you. Now, what's important with any of these probing systems is to get the right kind of tips and look at what ways the systems clean themselves. There, there are two aspects that I find with any probe. It doesn't matter whether it's the auto probe or the Falcon or um, the, uh, oh, I can't remember the other one right off uh, hand, but they all have a problem with different soil side types. So where I grew up in the I, I state, you know, in Illinois, we have very, um, well, very different soils than Lubbock here. You know, it's filled with moisture. It's, it um, gets muddy and it doesn't necessarily dry out right away. Whereas here in Lubbock, you got more sandy loam soils, you know. Um, so the difference between the two is when you have that much moisture, you get compaction and sometimes you'll have to stop and you'll have to clean the probes out. Um, <clears throat> now, adjusting the probe tip, we have found has helped to get a tip that has more of a fine point on it, um, more of a funnel type of point. It, it stops the clumping from happening as bad. It doesn't remedy it altogether, but it does stop the clumping from happening as bad as it did. Now with sandy soils, if it's too dry, you have the potential of it just falling out of the probe. That's where the suction comes in and helps you get, um, gets it pulled out. Um, but that can be a challenge as well. So what we need as an organization is to get as many people on it as possible so that we can begin defining user groups to help us figure out how to deal with these types of problems in a better way. Um, we're constantly looking at ways to adapt it. I think we've found ways to help cleaning with a self-cleaning type of probe, but that's still something that's coming down the line. But uh, to continue to have user groups and um, customer feedback and even um, more mechanically minded farmers out there looking at something like this on how it can be a probe, approved and adapted um, to their certain environments. So just piggybacking off that question really quick, um, I think if I understood correctly earlier, you mentioned that you could also zone sample, not just grid sample. Um, do you have a, like do, does Autoprobe and suggest these agronomists what, you know, a, the right, not necessarily the right, but the most preferred method is with zone sampling versus grid sampling? Well, I don't know that we stake our claim on either zone or grid. We, we pretty much let them choose what they would prefer to do. And um, we give them that option. And I think, I think um, giving the farmers an option and being flexible is important. And we got to understand a lot of these farms have farmed this land for generations. I mean, uh, my grandpa Carico was a sixth generation farmer in the eighties. Our family had farmed that 900 acres for, you know, you might as well figure a farm farms for about 40 years, you know? So we have many, many years of them farming. They get a gut instinct. They get an idea of what things 
um, work well for their farms, but you also have to um, work that in with what we call the farmer blinders, right? Because we are human and we do do the same thing over and over again. And we do learn from our um, you know, previous generations and how to do it. We still need to be respectful and keep in mind that they did things a certain way because it worked back then. But we also need to determine what still works from back then and what doesn't work as well today. And so these farms know their farms better than we do. So if they want a grid or a zone sample, I'm sure that they have a reason for it. And we just let them make that decision. Yeah, thank you. I was just curious, and that's a good point. They yeah. do have a lot of experience on those farms. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Uh, the farmers know the farms better than anybody, right? Yep. And what would be the next step after collecting the soil samples? Do you guys send these samples for a soil lab or do you guys do some analysis on the back end? How does that work? Really, that's all up to them as well. So um, some farms employ agronomists um, to come out to their farm and take the soil samples. Other farms um, take the soil samples themselves, whether it be the farmer doing it or whether it be the agronomist doing it. And so whether it be a consulting business, a soil consulting business, or whether it be a farm, they choose the labs that they take them to and um, they just have them soil sample from her soil test from there. Awesome. Um, so is this when you're um, going through the field and you're collecting these GPS locations and all these uh, samples are kind of georeferenced, so to speak, how frequently do you suggest doing these? Do you have a suggestion to these agronomists and farmers to use this technology? Is it every year, every three years? Well, that is an excellent question and one that we deal with quite often. When I got into the industry, you might as well figure that a, a farm um, took a soil sample maybe once every four or five years. Now, my question is, if everything starts with the soil, why aren't we checking it annually, right? So think about it like going to the doctor for an annual checkup. That soil needs to be tested annually. And even more importantly, then the testing part is you have to listen to it, right? So here's what ends up happening oftentimes in the industry. Let's say a soil consultant comes out and they take soil samples and they go and have it lab tested and they come back with the prescription. What happens then is the farm takes that prescription into their input dealer and that input dealer tries to sell them on everything except for that prescription, right? And I don't, that's a little bit extreme, but but they try to upsell, they try to get the pricing right, they try to do this, they try to do that. And by the time it's done, they come back and they put inputs on there that did not follow the prescription. And then when they don't get the results that they want, guess, guess who they're blaming? Well, they're blaming the soil consultant or whoever did the testing. Well, that's a big problem. Uh, if the soil is our most important resource for growing the crop, and I believe that it is, and I believe there's plenty of success stories of people working with Stoller USA and other companies to get the right kind of in, or inputs on their soil to get it accurate where they've seen the yields improve dramatically. I mean, corn yields have 
more potential to produce higher yields than what we get them to. And a lot of that is because of our farming practices. And so having a targeted um, place to start and get the right kind of inputs and following those prescriptions um, to the T, that's when we start seeing the input. So I would encourage that the farms that are using this actually use it annually and that they not only use it annually, but they actually follow the prescription so they can get the desired results that they're looking for. If not, we're just wasting our time. Yeah, no, that's that's right, Chris. And since you mentioned about, and we were talking about all these years taking the soil samples and, and getting into the field with this product, can the autoprobe affect the soil compaction in the field? At one time, I would say definitely yes. Um, that was a big problem with the auto probe. It was heavier than it is today. Um, <clears throat> the tractor pull version. So up until about two years ago, the only way we had to pull it was with a, a combine or a tractor. And um, that left some pretty heavy compaction. And that's why we started shrinking it down and making it less weight, because you might as well figure the auto probe weighs about 3,000 pounds plus whatever you're pulling it with. Um, but we made it a little smaller, um, a little less weighty that you could use a UTV, ATV, things like that. And to avoid even further compaction in the future, that's why we're developing um, a new prototype that will be roughly about that big. And how it's gonna be pulled yet, I'm not quite sure, but we're working on it. <laughs> Steady <laughs> making improvements all the time. Uh, what do you think some defining problems um, that this, you know, so to speak, not truly autonomous, but more efficient way of soil sampling and taking those probes um, has in today's agriculture industry? Well, I think economy is is the right answer. And we've we have as an organization in agriculture, as long as we've been here, we have always believed that eventually all of our farming equipment will be much smaller. And so just envision it in a way that instead of farming with big pieces of equipment like we are today that cost about a half a million bucks, what if we had 150 self-driving automated machines that were going through the field at one time and when one broke down, you just picked up and put another one there and sent it off to be fixed, right? Um, we believe that's the way the world's going. If you look at some other countries, they already have autonomous equipment that does the planting for them. Uh, I know they're working on some that does the harvesting as well, but in the future, and a lot of farms don't like to hear this, but it's the way it's go going. In the future, farming is gonna be ran from an office. It's not going to be ran outside in a combine or a tractor. It's going to be ran from an office. Now, the struggles today with um, getting autonomous equipment that is out there is really with our equipment dealerships. So today, their infrastructure is such that they are only built to build large machinery. And it would take 
multi-millions of dollars to change that infrastructure to go to something more autonomous. But I do believe that eventually somebody is going to come in and disrupt the industry with autonomous equipment that is smaller and um, requires less maintenance and is even cheaper, more economical. And as we are going towards this technology side, Chris, I was wondering how easily are the farmers adopting these products, such as the Auto Probe, for example, because sometimes you know that there is a gap between learning how to use some technologies, new technologies, and sometimes even the software and interpreting some of the results. Can you expand a little bit on that? I say it's challenging and it's challenging for a number of reasons. One, nobody likes change, right? I'm a very routine guy. I don't like change. So I can't blame the farms for not wanting to change either. But that was really my role for years is to help farms change their mindset and thinking and, and do things a little bit different um, than the way that they used to do it, you know? So it, it's been a challenge for that. It's been a challenge because, you know, like I said, probing systems, um, they're a challenge with different soil types. I mean, you can go down to certain parts of Louisiana and I don't care what kind of probe you have, it's not going to work in their soils. It's just too, too wet, <laughs> way too wet. And um, I know a guy down there who he's had every soil sampling company come out and try to develop something on his specific farm and nothing. I mean, we can't get nothing out of it. Nobody can. And so um, I think another thing is that farms just don't focus on their soil. I mean, in reality, most farms just farm. I mean, they, they put the inputs in, they put the seeds in, they grow, and they don't really give much mind to the soil. And to me, that, that should be their main focus. You want a good crop? A lot, well, I'll put it this way. A lot of times farms tell me that, well, they can't do this or they can't do that because of weather or, or this or that. And, and my statement to them is stop focusing on the things you can't do and look at the things that you can do right? The soil is definitely something that we can look at and we can make an impact on our yields with. So we should really start focusing on that. And if we don't want to deal with the technology or the change, hire somebody to do it for you. Oh, that's cool. And I will just extend a little bit on the same question. And how about the precision ag companies? Have you guys been working with them using your product? We have not. Um, we've reached out to some Uh, we would like to start working with precision ag companies to start doing that. Um, but frankly, we haven't. Uh, we've talked with Yamaha in the past, and um, we are looking for partners in this because we do believe that it's a great tool. We also believe that it's a way that the industry is going. And so uh, we are very interested in working with people in the precision ag industry to um, develop better soil sampling um, technology and techniques. Awesome. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, so you kind of hinted at my next question I had for you um, in that previous question about uh, some struggles and challenges can be soil types. Are there any other challenges that y'all have been faced with, with kind of making this uh, soil collection, soil um, sample collection process more efficient, more automated? What's kind of another, if there is another um, kind of setback for y'all? I, um, I think there is some soil types are very rocky and need more cleaning. 
Um, you know, we've, we have some cleaning devices on the probe to help kind of clean the soil, but that, that is a challenge. If they have big rocks um, in the soil, it can bend the, the probe tips. Um, efficiency, I think we constantly need to work on efficiencies in agriculture. Um, one of the challenges that we see and is often presented to me uh, as early as yesterday, um, you know, if you have a certain amount of acres and you're dealing with weather challenges and you need to get out there and spray and do things, oftentimes the soil sampling is left on the last item to do. And we need to... Uh, even though the machine makes it more efficient, we still can't control the weather and we still can't control the number of, of employees that uh, farms have on the field to help implement this. And so it becomes a timing issue. So um, clearly you can't use probes in hard, um, iced, frozen soil conditions. And if it's too wet, you can't use it. Well, usually a lot of times that it is dry and you can get in there, they're wanting to plant or they're wanting to harvest, right? So um, being very strategic, um, having somebody that that is their only J-O-B to work with the technology so you can be out there planting um, while somebody maybe in front of you is doing the soil sampling and preparing for it. I mean, they're, they're easy things to think about, but then you just got to work them out. And so efficiency um, with the timing of the weather. I mean, you know, uh, there are some states like Arizona, Yuma, Arizona, you can plant a crop, you know, I mean, they turn over their crops four times a year, right? Um, and so, but in places like Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, and many of the other states in the US, your growing season is about six months long, right? And you have to figure out how to plant, uh, soil sample and harvest in that six months before the weather turns bad. And so really being strategic and making sure that you have a plan to get it done because it is one of the most important resources for us to look after. That's yeah, pretty cool, Chris. really good point. Yeah. And what is your vision for the Autoprobe and the Agronomic Innovations Company? Well, there are, I'm, I am a big vision thinker. So eventually I want us to be completely autonomous. I don't want it. I don't want us to have to hook this machine up to a tractor or a truck. I just want to put it in a field and go. And really in my mind, I envision some kind of technology that can just scan the ground and tell you what it needs. Um, that's probably a long way out, but that is what I'd like to see where you don't even have it instead of taking a machine and just sitting it out there instead of driving something, I'd like to see the whole field scanned within a couple minutes and be done with it and then move on and improve our yields and um, make healthier plants and, and um, you know, make everybody a little happier. Awesome. So do you have any um, concerns with autonomy um, and robotics in agriculture? Not really. I know the government has quite a few concerns, but I don't. I mean, it's the way that our world's going. I mean, look at our cars. We're already driving cars that if, if it notices something before us, it'll react, 
you know? And so um, <clears throat> I do have a concern if we're going to keep the same big tractor and combine model, um, you know, and of course there's always concerns with bigger equipment. Can people hack it? Can they take control of it? Things like that, the kind of things that you see in the movie, but have we really ever seen anything like that with anything autonomous yet? No, um, but we do need to be careful of things like that. But I think that um, it's not a concern. It's just a new change. I mean, look at all the changes we've had in our lives. When I was a kid, we didn't have um, these. I mean, we didn't have cell phones out there. And look, uh, look at how it just changed our lives and made us uh, made us more efficient. I mean, we can do more today because of those phones and we could now some of the claims that they made back in the day never came true like paperless companies and things like that but um we have to in, in in my mind no matter how old we get we have to embrace technology not just for ourselves but for our next generation yeah that's a really good point yeah i totally agree with you chris and we are getting here on the last questions of our interview it's been great to talk with you chris Absolutely. but if someone wanted to learn more about your company and its products where should they go to look for more information okay well that's that's a good question too um they can always go and visit our website at www.agronomicinnovations.com um they can email me directly at cwhited at agronomicinnovations.com Or they can shoot me a uh, call or text at 618-535-4830. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, just pretty much agronomic innovations. Awesome. Thanks. So one tradition we have here on the Farm Bits podcast is we ask each guest for a piece of advice. So we're asking you today, Chris, what advice do you have for our listeners considering making significant soil changes, soil sampling changes, and um, adapting these autonomous kind of solutions in their farms? That is an excellent question. I think that when I was uh, a couple of years ago, somebody told me that They got real surprised because I jumped in a vehicle and I started driving. And they were like, well, you didn't take time to get familiar with the vehicle. Like you didn't take, you know, I mean, because face it, we all just get in vehicles and drive for the most part. But it always struck me as funny that that was mentioned. And then then I bought a new vehicle and that vehicle for a long time, I just drove it. And then one day I decided to take their advice and actually bring out the manual and read it and, and um, understand. And man, that vehicle had a lot more features and capabilities on it than I would have ever imagined just because I didn't take time to explore it. So the first thing is get in there and get familiar with the technology, right? It's new. Um, get in there, make some mistakes, run it for a while. And then, then make a list of questions that you have and then come to our organization. If you're using our auto probe or if you're using the Falcon, go to them and say, hey, you know, here is, here's the challenges that I, I've run into. And what you often find is either it's user error, um, lack of understanding, uh, maybe something wasn't clear in the training or, or whatnot, or um, 
or it's just a problem that the company needs to work on, you know, the company that you bought it from. But either way, getting familiar with it first, um, making mistakes, um, and, and then coming with your questions really helps people, in my mind, get a better feel for it. And then take training and things like that to better understand it. But also be patient. Know that it's a change. And change is going to take time. And what I found is a lot of people will get a technology like the Auto Pro. They'll run it for a bit. And then it won't function necessarily the way that they think it should or they run into a problem and and of course they're busy like i am so they don't always call and try to get a solution to the problem because well that takes time out of your day but learn to use it i mean most of the time if you spend a few hours on anything you can figure out the basics and hit the road running and so it doesn't have to be as hard as we make it sometimes and then from there just just be consistent with it. Um, consistency is the key, uh, in my opinion, to success. Find a formulation that works and repeat that formulation over and over again. And so um, once they start soil, I mean, I find that the guys that are really successful with the auto probe, they're the guys that consistently get on it, run it, make sure that it's properly updated at the end of the season. Um, and and all of that good stuff, just like just like you would any other piece of equipment on your farm. Thank you to Chris Whited for joining us on the Farm Beats podcast. My favorite part was about how soil types can influence on this technology, and the importance of this agronomic knowledge needed to apply and make this a more powerful tool for precision land management. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good part of this episode. I have to say though, my favorite part was. Uh, knowing kind of where the future of agriculture is going and the need to make a change and um, to kind of take advantage of those factors that you can control on farms and making them more efficient, whether that's with the use of autonomy or just more efficient practices overall for typical farms. So um, with that, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to another story of digital ag innovation. And we hope you'll join us again in our next episode for more on autonomy and robotics in crop and livestock production. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.